Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rewild My Bio. I am your host, Sean Slade. And let me say, first and foremost, it is so good to be back hitting record again with this podcast. I have taken the month of August off to just do me. And I hope you guys have been doing the same. I find that August is that time of year for me where I'm always out in nature. I was actually chatting with a friend the other day and saying, I don't think I've ever really formally worked on my, let's say, nine to five job too much in August ever since I've been an adult. So I'm very grateful to have that. And um, yeah, I guess that's my gratitude for today is having the ability to be able to spend time in nature pretty much every August. So having been a personal trainer, that was the time of year where I would urge clients to get outdoors. So naturally I'd have time off. And then with me heading back into school as a academic, as a young academic in my PhD, things really slow down in August, right? Most professors are off and, you know, my reading had actually switched to things that I'm kind of, you know, more interested in on a personal level. So that was really neat. I had um, just been reading the book, uh, Consciousness Becomes You, and that is by uh, the, well, actually my next episode out after this um, is with Angie Airstone and Roderick Allen, and um, wow, what an amazing book, what an amazing episode that is, so I'm really excited to release that one for you guys, um, and I'm actually just about to get into um, the Cabalon, so if I'm saying that right, I, you know, tell you the truth, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but anyways, it's by the three initiates, um, and it's on Hermeticism, so I'm going to actually throw that into the show notes for you guys as well, because I've been told, or at least I'm getting the message anyways, that some of the stuff that's being spoken about in ancient Hermetic uh, texts and things like that are right in line with some of the things I've been chatting about here on the show, so I'm really excited to kind of dive into that a little bit more as just, again, another personal interest, so yeah, anyways, it's been uh, it's been a great time, and I think going forward, I'm going to acknowledge what is, um, and that is that, yeah, I'll probably n- never have shows come out in August, and I'll have that time off. And so it was nice to do some reflecting on the show, and just as I re-enter uh, posting a bunch of episodes, and kind of almost kind of getting into what I feel like is maybe even a second season kind of vibe, um, thinking about simplifying things over at rewildmybio.com, so made some updates there. Please stop by and check them out. Let me know what you think. But um, basically me posting newsletters rather than monthly, um, putting them out when I've got valuable content and only when I've got some valuable content to share with you guys. So that's the whole idea over there with that. Um, doing a new outro at the end today. So stick around for that. You will hear that and just kind of, um, yeah, revamping all the social media and stuff that I'm doing at rewildmybio.com. So yeah, really great time to just kind of chill out and reflect on the show. So that's, uh, that's what I've been up to. It's, uh, it's really nice, you know, doing the whole social media detox, um, thing. So, you know, haven't been posting for three weeks and I find, you know, there's no, I have no problems doing that. Um, taking hiatuses off things and and being reflective about my use of social media during that time, obviously. It's something I just don't mix, miss rather. I just do not miss social media when I'm off it. Um, you know, it's it's nice to interact with folks and I do love sharing content via Instagram, but at the same time, there's that whole paradox about podcasting and rewilding, right? So to me, um, you know, not posting to a story, I just when I'm up on my land doing the things that I love to do up there, you know, climbing a hill or going to internet hill as I call it because there's all these rocks and you can stand high up on the property you can sometimes get cell service it's just not uh, just not in the cards for me you know when connecting with nature I think disconnecting from the internet 
is an important piece to really truly gain the benefits of spending time in nature, right? So, um, yeah, just taking time off. And at the same time, I'm thinking about switching up my game. If you do follow me on Instagram, uh, you'll see that a recent post, I kind of said, hey, I'm going to keep things light and really focus on the guests through that specific channel, through that social media channel. Um, and, and to use that channel as a means to promote what's going on here in the show. But at the same time, same time, all things rewilding, right? But um, I understand that some folks, um, rewilding, having many different uh, subsects, let's just say, I think that some folks find the specifically things around anarcho-primitivism uh, a bit uh, just jarring to say the least. And I think right now, given the uncertainty and things, um, I want to make sure that I'm representing this show uh, in a way that, you know, is tailoring to people who are new to the idea of rewilding or getting back to the land or connecting with nature, however you want to say it, right? So um, yeah, that said, my critical social perspective on things still remains. And obviously, I think one of the best ways to kind of get that across without, you know, stirring the pot too much is through comedy. So I'm going to do my best to keep uh, trying to come at things in a in a light fashion. Um, and if I can't do that, I'll just share things like JP Sears's videos, which I just thinking about that guy is, is tireless and uh, keeping it real to say the least. But anyways, yeah, so that's kind of my, uh, what I've been doing, being reflective, doing more, uh, getting into more journaling lately. And, you know, just with the fall equinox now upon us, it's just that time to kind of go inward, right? And uh, yeah, get organized again, get into good habits. So um, I'm actually really excited to bring this episode here to you guys today because, yeah, if you're looking to get into a new habit, and uh, say start breath work or say you're a seasoned vet when it comes to doing breath work today's episode is going to be a great one for you guys because I'm talking I'm chatting with Steve Beatty today and he is the spirit guide over there at breathinginnature.com and he is a wealth of knowledge on all things breath work so it was real real treat to have the wild and wonderful Steve Beatty on um, and I thank him very very much um, you know for all his work and services that he does over at breathinginnature.com because I really believe that he is the real deal when it comes to this stuff. And uh, I have to thank my friend Colin Jackson for uh, hooking me up with Steve and putting this episode together. So big shout out to you, Colin. In today's episode, I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about breathing in nature. We talk about our time spent camping. Um, We actually get into some interesting dialogue around the Ontario parks, so Ontario Provincial Parks, the beautiful, plentiful parks that we have here in Ontario. We truly are lucky to have them. And, uh, well, we chat about some interesting stuff in regards to rates going up and uh, all interesting things. So anyways, um, I'm going to actually link Ontario Parks here because if you are, say, uh, you know, outside of Ontario or you're in Ontario or you're international and you're, I mean, I don't know how much international travel is happening these days, but anyways... I'm thinking about if you're looking to get outdoors in nature, Ontario has some beautiful parks to do that in. So please, yeah, check those, check that out. And actually, we bring up something specific to, you know, protecting farmland, protecting uh, Ontario parks and green space. And that is um, the proposal for Highway 413. Um, Apparently, there's some environmental assessments that haven't yet been done. Um, A lot of folks in Toronto believe that this is important to, you know, highway traffic and getting rid of congestion. I don't see new highways as being, you know, a sustainable approach to that. So anyways, I'm going to link 
in the show notes this petition that you can sign to uh, halt and make sure all these environmental assessments are done um, and to essentially stop Highway 413. I personally don't think we need another one. That's only going to save just a few seconds off your commute. But anyways, I digress, and I'll throw that into the show notes for you guys. So um, what else can I say about today's episode? Well, let me just say this. Let me introduce Steve a little bit more. As I said, he is a spirit guide over at Breathing in Nature, um, or as his son actually calls him, the rain god. And you'll hear more about that in this episode. But essentially, Steve guides humans on their journey within to explore the deepest and darkest corners of their psyche and to become whole again. I said this before and I'll say it again. He is the real deal when it comes to breath work. Um, he studied with Wim Hof way before, you know, folks even knew about the Iceman or who Wim Hof was. He's a fascial stretch therapist as well. Um, he's done work with outdoor youth in various mentorship programs. And he does right now online breath work workshops and programming and corporate wellness programs in Toronto and throughout Ontario. So um, I like today's episode mainly because we get into the positive benefits that breathwork has for mental health and Steve shares his personal story into healing an inflammatory condition through nothing but his breath and I think this is important the decision to believe that he is not sick so I love words and I find the English language and western culture's current use of it um, as sometimes um, insufficient for this great transition that we find ourselves in today. So I appreciate our discussion on the power of spoken word and how when Steve decided to say, I'm not sick, how much that influenced his healing journey. And I just, again, I love everything how we talk about today is how everything that you need to heal something like say an inflammatory condition in pain with breath work. Um, Because Steve believes, as do I, that our breath is the link between our mind and our body. And Steve has studied many different breathwork modalities over the years, um, you know, from ancient shamanic practices of India and to, you know, more modern practices like Wim Hof. So um, he believes that what was once grounded in mysticism is now understood by science. And we do a good job in getting into some of that science today. We also chat about his experiences. Um, And because more and more people are turning to breathwork, I think it's important to have a experienced coach because it's a great tool to know thyself and expand consciousness and heal body, soul, and spirit. However, there are those blockages that come up and I appreciate Steve discussing how, you know, it's not always that blissful, euphoric kind of high state you get from just uh, breathing exercises or even some of the more relaxing, calm, meditative states you can get into through say like pranayama, so yogic breathing. Um, with some of this breath work um, that Steve talks about today in the stoic breath, some things can come up. And this coming up, these things coming up, I think is um, important for us to be able to heal certain things that we're holding down or emotions that are old and stored in our bodies and cause this pain, right? So Steve teaches breath work to individuals and groups as a way to boost physical performance, one, yes, but find their mental edge and achieve a deep state of meditation. And um, yeah, we discuss all sorts of really good things today. We discuss holotropic breath work, what hypoxia is, um, which I think is important given the you know current health policies around masks and things. Um, we discuss carbon dioxide, carbon dioxide thresholds briefly, which is a really fascinating uh, area of breath work and the, and the, the physiological benefits. Um, And of course, we give you guys some practical exercises you can do 
real quick while you're out and about in your day, if you're fine, you know, if you're, let's say if you're stuck wearing a mask and you're not breathing properly, or if you're like me and you get all, all gassed up with no brakes in regards to this health policy of wearing masks as if stopping this virus is a good thing or as if masks would even be able to do that. But anyways, I digress on that. Um, but yeah, some of that stuff going on in the matrix today. Sometimes you just need to stop and breathe. And uh, yeah, Steve puts me into a nice meditative zone at the end of this episode. So um, Steve teaches us here today that breath awareness is the first step towards total body awareness and healing. And um, yeah, just super grateful to have him on this episode today. So Head over to breathinginnature.com and you can use the code REWILD, R-E-W-I-L-D, to receive 25% off all products and services over there. You can also head to rewildmybio.com slash breathinginnature. And uh, yeah, actually, please check out the Stoic Breath uh, package, uh, the Stoic Breath Experience. Um, It's available via a gift economy, so check that out. I think there's really a lot of merit in that. And we discussed that whole concept here today as well. Um, truly the stoic breath is a masterpiece and it's a gem if you've been doing breath work for a while and you want something new and powerful. So in the words of Wim Hof, actually, it gets you high off your own supply. So sit back, take a deep mindful breath as we discuss breathing in nature. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Rewild My Bio, a self-help and alternative health podcast. I'm your host, Sean Slade. Join me as I share stories, science, and strategies to help you rewild your biology and redefine your biography. Project Dare. Project Dare. Okay. So the project is a, uh, a youth correction facility, mm-hmm. an open youth correction facility in a wilderness setting. So young kids. Uh, it was designed for boys age twelve to eighteen, mm-hmm. but really it was fourteen to sixteen okay. is the age that right. we took. And uh, these kids, they they weren't bad. They were just misguided. Right. You know, getting involved in drugs and partying and stealing from their parents, that kind of stuff. Right. And they got busted mm-hmm. and at the opportunity, they could have a reduced sentence if mm-hmm. they spent their time with me in the woods. Right. <laughs> they could go they could sign up for Project Dare. And, uh, that sounds do, way better than like anger management. <laughs> and, you know, some of them, um, we would pick some up at uh, the, the youth correctional facilities, the in-house closed gate mm-hmm. place. And these kids were just sitting around playing video games. That's what their sentence was. Really? Just yeah. sit and play video games. On what, what? What are you learning? Like, what? What's the point of that? Um, and that's why youth crime. There's a there's a high recidivism with youth crime because they just they learn nothing. They go back to where they were. Do it again. Totally. So, right. like a, an open door of people just coming and going and coming and going until they're 18. And they go to an adult prison. Their Project Air program. Um, it was uh, group living. And in a wilderness setting, like we camped, we hiked from site to site or we canoed winter camping um, the whole time. And they had to work and live together for this little micro society to exist. So in the morning, if 
their shenanigans in the morning. Breakfast is late. Mm-hmm. Right. Lunch is late. Dinner's late. Bedtime's late. Like any little holdup just delays. Everything was like really structured and scheduled, mm-hmm. but everything had to fall into place. So it had this um, positive uh, peer pressure effect right. where they were all like, get, get your act together. Come on, let's, let's get this done. Mm-hmm. And, and so they had to work together. It's anarcho-privatism, essentially. I mean, it, you're, you're taking it away society as they know it, civilization. And it's like, yeah, it's this, it's this rewilding experience as it's, it kind of sounds like to me, right? Like, and exactly. at, at that age though, so we've, we've, uh, we've officially started a little while ago because this is all just too good. And I never said, hey, what's up? And the whole normal thing. So we've, I'm here with Steve Beattie and I'm going to do a proper introduction in the intro. So you've already heard that. But yeah, Steve, that's, this is, this is amazing stuff, and I'm kind of glad we just started talking about your work with youth because, um, yeah, we started chatting with each other. It was with our friend Colin, who I know you've worked done work in sh- workshops and things at BPM in London. But, um, yeah, we talked about breath work. And then here's this whole other side, which I think is just, like, so important, these rites of passages, these rewilding experiences where people have to actually, um, you know, it's the Lord of the Flies without the whole conch, essentially, here in, in in Canada, but, uh, what's that? Sorry. I kill the pig, spill its blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, there, was there any of that happening up there? No, no. <laughs> you didn't have to hunt for your food? No, we didn't know. It was all fully supported. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. We, we did go fishing. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Very so accessible. I- yeah. Right. And then to add that element there of the wild food piece, I mean, what's, uh, so what were, were, were these kids experienced in the woods then at all? Or this was totally like something they just said. These were all urban kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what time frame was this? Sorry, when you had done this, how long ago was this? Quite a, quite a while ago. Now, this was, uh, I got, we're going on 15 years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Taking place. So, yeah, you know, all these kids are early 2000s urban, urban city kids going out and yeah. catching fish for the first time. So, yeah. what were, yeah, like, so, I mean, in your, in your experience with that, and then what was the, again, the other name of the other program? Outward that, Bound. Outward Bound, right. And that one was Project Air for a while and then, um, I left that, but I hadn't, I still wanted to be in, in the, in the industry. I still wanted to be in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, I left, um, my wife and I were talking about having a family mm-hmm. at the time and I was like camping for nine months of the year. Right. So it wasn't conducive to, you know, not, never mind raising a family, making a family. Right. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I moved back to the, to the city and went back to school and got into personal training, mm-hmm. which is how I ended up meeting Colin eventually. All right. Um, so I, I liked the, the physical aspect of that, but I wasn't quite finished with the outdoors. So I, mm-hmm. I did a season without sound and, you know, it just wasn't the same. I see. It wasn't quite the same vibe as working with the young offenders. Right. And so, so what was your work like with them? Just to give the, the listener a kind of background of pro, of that. Um, so with, with Outward Bound, it was, um, I just did one season with them and uh, I was the climb site coordinator. So for half the summer, I was teaching people how to rock climb and I managed the climb site. And awesome. uh, then for half the summer, I also took a group out for their, I think it was 28-day canoe trip. Right. Um, but you never, you weren't integrated with the group. You weren't a mentor to the group. The group sort of meshed with themselves and they had their own kind of inclusive group feel mm-hmm. away from the instructors that just, just there to make sure nobody, you know, set themselves on fire. Right. We weren't there to actually engage teach to engage mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. To, to, men, to mentor them, really. Like, it sounds like where the other ones needed the mentoring. It was, um, now mm-hmm. the, the purpose of Outward Bound, or at least the, the kids you were seeing coming there, what age group, what, what was their background kind of like? Uh, they were more, I think they were more 16 to 18 was the group I was with. Yeah. 
um, now Iron Bound you does uh, like little kids, like five years old, right. all the way to seniors groups. So mm-hmm. they, they do everybody in an outdoor setting. And when I was the climb site coordinator with them, I saw all the different groups would come in. So I'd have you know little kids coming in for a day of climbing, and then I'd have returning groups from their Outward Bound trips would come in and do some climbing. I see. Uh, had some adult groups and all sorts of different stuff would come in. Nice. Where, where yeah. was that? Where was that based out of? Uh, that was in a little town called Burke's Falls. Okay. Oh yeah. Which right. is uh, I'm familiar. That's right along like Highway 11, going up that way, right? Yeah. Donquin Park. Right. Gorgeous spot. Yeah, Gorgeous spot. Yeah. While we're on the subject of outdoors, where are you doing? Since we're we were talking about camping and just having camp stuff unpacked still everywhere around us, <laughs> where are you doing? Uh, where you been doing a lot of camping these days? So every August. Um, I basically take August off of work because there's nobody in my in the health and fitness industry. Everybody's gone. Everybody who pays for that is at their cottage. It's my fa- it was my favorite time of the year when I was. And I guess as a kind of academic now, it seems to be the same thing with like professors yeah. and everybody right now. Yeah. <laughs> so every year my son and I go on a week-long canoe trip. Nice. And uh, for the past five or six years now, we've been going to Massasaugi Provincial Park, okay. which is up nice. near Perry Sound. And it's just beautiful. And there's no – we go in the south – gate so there's no portaging it's just all islands it's the georgian bay archipelago right so you can canoe on the outside on georgian bay in calm weather there's never calm weather or you can, <laughs> yeah right there uh where it's a little bit more sheltered and you just go from campsite to campsite island to island it's just gorgeous absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. through there so, you, so you're just getting back from that that trip then eh? uh that was two weeks ago last okay. week uh we just did some car camping in um uh, inver huron provincial mm. park yeah out familiar. Actually. Yeah, yeah, right. I've yeah. Um, I've been to the Pinery before. Right. Uh, these are all provincial parks in Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in Huron, just some car camping okay. and uh, easy going, day at the beach. We go into King Carden, go to a restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> one of the, yeah. Really, really yeah. easy. You know, sleeping in the tent and living with the rhythm of nature. Mm-hmm. No phones, no alarm clocks, nothing like that. When you're tired, go to bed. Mm-hmm. The sun comes up, you get up again. Oh, it's the best. Yeah. And that's that type of camping. I like how you've kind of laid out both there beautifully for anybody like, you know, thinking about camping in Ontario because, yeah, you've got your car camping at, in the provincial parks. And I've been to Inver Huron as well. And uh, and then at the same time, yeah, something like Massasauga or having the ability to portage up even near Burke's Falls and Algonquin. It's just like something for everybody, right? Yeah, you can go super light or you can go like even uh, Masizagi is is a pretty easy if you're experienced with canoeing it's a pretty easy trip. Mm-hmm. Um, the weather's always nice. There's you know you never really windbound too much, or you can go into like ex- and there's always people around, right? Mm-hmm. There's cottages scattered through the park as well. You see boats passing all the time. Uh, the mm-hmm. park ranger you see all the time. So you're pretty connected to the world still. Mm-hmm. Totally. And if you want to pull out your cell phone. There's uh, you get full cell service out there too. Which yeah. Is funny. Uh, yeah. Right. Funny. Apparently, um, years ago, a, uh, a wind farm company decided that they would build a wind farm on, in Georgian Bay without getting any. This is how the story goes. I don't know how true this is. So they came in and built all the cell towers to run the place. And then the Mohawk First Nation in that area said, no, this is our land. You're not building a wind farm here, but we'll keep, keep your cell towers. Thanks. Really? So I didn't yeah. know that. I was actually quite surprised uh, visiting Bon Echo Park a lot more this year and I guess a new cell towers in there. So, and for me and my land, there's zero cell service, at least most of the time. So having to kind of go like literally drive like 20, 10, 10 to 20 minutes to get cell service. is kind of, kind of an anomaly in Southern Ontario these days, but it's uh no, it is, it is what it is, I guess. Um, 
one thing I was going to ask you now that now that we're again talking about camping is uh, what was it like camping at you know provincial parks right now given the COVID situation? Was that like um, I've heard prices have gone up at your provincial parks? Have they ever? Yeah, yeah, um, uh, like yeah, a lot. Like percentage wise, it'd be like twenty five fifth to thirty five percent maybe. Uh, it was more than double. Right. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So normally, I think I can't remember what it was. I think it was twelve dollars a night plus six dollars per additional person. Mm. So my son and I would go camping with car and stuff at like a car camping, and it would be twenty bucks a night. Mm-hmm. Now it's forty two dollars flat rate. Wow. No matter how many people are joining your site. Right. And, so, and, I, and I know like premium sites. Uh, so my family being from southwestern Ontario, Essex County area, uh, Wheatley Provincial Park being the kind of one that we've frequented the most as kids and it um, like premium sites. So my parents have an RV. If you wanted like electrical hook, hookup and, and water right. and whatnot, it's uh, I think like 75, 80 bucks for the premium sites on the like lake. And that's a night. Yeah. yeah. You so, can stay in a hotel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Add in firewood to like, you know, have a decent bonfire and that's a hundred dollars a night easy. So, mm-hmm. right. So well, yeah. It's, it's that was across the board of boom canoe camping in Massasagi mm-hmm. uh, back also 42 bucks a night flat rate really interesting so this is just it i mean access to these places we're talking about programs where youth are getting out we we met on the basis of chatting about programming around workshops and getting people breathing in nature and whatnot so i mean i just see a continued demand for these things and my i mean i'm always from a rewilding standpoint i think everybody should make uh make use of what is available to them in their local environment so this obviously having a hefty price tag it really cuts down on our abilities to interact and actually, you know, like you're saying, go to bed with the sun, wake up with the sun. So it's just, uh, it's interesting times. And so, I mean, we're even talking about gift economies and and energy exchanges and other ways of doing things. And um, it's just really exciting to talk to you about, you know, not only this work, but just all the, all the exciting things that essentially I think we have in common that I think um, people are looking to as like a solution right now, right? Cut to these prices and things. Yeah. Well, the great thing about, um, like, I, I live downtown Toronto, and I'm right on High Park, but there's lots of parks everywhere. Even in a big mega city like Toronto, I just came back from walking my dog. I just did a 45-minute walk in the woods, downtown Toronto. Totally. So, and that's that's free. Yeah. You know, uh, no, I'm glad you brought that up because it comes down to, like, keeping those spaces. And I know recently, actually, I had seen something online about uh, Doug Ford wanting to speed through uh, any type of research on environmental destruction and loss of farmlands to build this highway that essentially gets you like 30 seconds off of like, I think, uh, Milton to Vaughan, which is like the 407s already right there. So yeah, yeah, they want to build right through Caledon and back down to to the highway right through like prime, beautiful Niagara Scarvin land, Uh, the pristine waters, the watershed for right like it's i think it goes right right by orangeville which is like the high point of the watershed that flows down to georgian bay lake huron uh lake erie lake ontario is right there and they're gonna put a highway through it right and so i don't know how like if this is like definitely a go but i think it's something there is a petition right now actually and i'm so super pumped this just came to mind because i'll put it in the show notes as well as outward bound in the dare project and everything we've been talking about and actually you're going to find that at uh, rewildmybio.com slash breathing in nature. So we'll make it simple for you okay. there. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll even chat about the end about all the program offerings, make sure we do that. But uh, no, you know what? I'll, I'll use this whole little kind of as thing as a, what we're doing here as a segue to kind of start chatting about breathing in nature mm-hmm. and um, all that side of stuff, because yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of super glad we 
touched on our camping experiences because that was good to hear. Any other exciting stories from you and your son? I just, uh, we never really, I was going to ask you that. Oh, you know, we have so many exciting stories. Every year was the first year that we didn't have any kind of extreme weather event. We had rain. It rains every time, whenever, wherever I go, whenever I go camping, anywhere in the world. Oh, really? You're that guy. Yeah. I was in Mozambique during the dry season. It rained for three days. Oh, wow. So you got a (laughs) good raincoat then in your... Uh, calls me the rain god nice interesting okay (laughs) wherever i go but yeah this year we didn't have any extreme stuff but Mm -hmm. uh yeah pretty much every year we we've had something extreme Mm -hmm. happen to us storm the century flooding massive lightning storms we almost had um a plane land on us or take off on us oh wow yeah we're in algonquin park on smoke lake (laughs) and there's a environmental environment canada plane there was like taxiing getting ready to take off we're like crossing the lake and he starts off and going, whoa, what's happening? I'm like waving my paddle at him. And then he kind of veers off. And I don't know if he knew I was there and was planning on like not running over me the whole time or yeah. if he stopped in the last second and thought, oh, crap. Oh, my God. But, uh, you're, yeah, the rain, you're the rain god. You're the water god, I think, here. You're on the water. You're parting. You got uh, – what's, <laughs> what's the superhero? I'm, I'm not uh, – Aquaman. There we go. A real-life Aquaman. That's all. Well, you know what? Thinking of rain god, I could use you on my land because it's quite, quite dry up there. And as I think of like permaculture and like – planting apple trees. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I could use a little rain up there. Yeah, well, I'll just go up for a couple of days and it'll yeah, rain. We'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so that's a good segue talking about rain, talking about water, talking about COVID-19 times and, uh, breathing right now. And I mm-hmm. think, uh, given everything that I know in my toolbox, and this is why I think, you know, chatting with you and, and learning more about the stoic breath program is amazing because anything that I think helps people reconnect with them, breath with their breath helps them mm-hmm. reconnect with their self because when we're yes. with our breath, we're with ourself essentially. Right. So, mm-hmm. and so and re- many, yeah. Reconnects with their nature. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nature, the trees, but it's your nature. It's, it's who you are. It's how you're connected to yourself and to your culture, to the land around you, to the greater environment. Mm-hmm. And that's all done through breath work. It's yeah, it, it's, we really do live in a magical world. If you really do think about how like trees breathing bre- helps us breathe our breath. Right. So, and yeah, and right now, as I kind of segued in talking about COVID, I just find that uh, it's, it's a great tool to have in the, in our back pocket. And I think, you know, um, yes, I mean, I guess really where I should go with this is we'll, we'll get into kind of the history of breath work. Cause I know, you know, all about that. You teach this stuff, you live it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how did you find breath work? Let's hear about your, your bio into all of this. So- I found breathwork long, maybe seven years ago now. I used to say five years, but it's I think it's more like seven years that I discovered um, the Wim Hof method. Okay. Um, and I discovered because of a, a physical illness that I had. Um, I, had be, I was becoming, all through my 30s, I was developing some sort of illness. I used to be a sponsored athlete. I used to do multi-day adventure racing. And I was on, then in the personal training industry. I was very, very fit. I did everything right. But I was getting sick. And every time I, I did a training session, it took me longer and longer to recover. I couldn't sleep properly. I couldn't go to the bathroom properly. I was, had skin conditions. Um, I was moody and irritable. Like there was something wrong. And talk to the doctors and they would just say, oh, you're just getting older. Well, mm. I don't think that's right. Like right. I know older people and they're not sick. I'm sick. There's something wrong. It just got worse and worse and worse. And in my early 40s, um, I ended up in a hospital. I was rushed to hospital in an ambulance. I had atrial fibrillation. I was lying in this emergency room and they're getting ready to shock me back into sinus rhythm. And I'm thinking, mm. holy crap, like this is, yeah. this isn't right. 
I'm the healthy guy. I don't know why this is happening to me. And in that moment, I was lying in the hospital bed and I just willed myself back into sinus rhythm. I actually said the words, I'm not sick. I didn't want to be sick. I didn't identify with being sick. I'm not sick. And in that moment of declaring that I'm not sick, that my heart went back into sinus rhythm. And that was pretty amazing. I don't know if yeah, one, wow. I don't know how I did that. Um, left the hospital, went through round after round of testing for six months, going through all this testing, until they finally gave me a diagnosis of um, non-specific rheumatoid arthritis, which isn't a thing. No, I was going to say that. You, and yeah, yeah, I can see that when you say it to me. I know, right? So, uh, yeah, wow. Just just the diagnosis. Uh, some someone like you probably needed one to hear, knowing that's like, hey, I I got this. Like, yeah. Right? Well, the the problem with diagnoses is that mm-hmm. then people now have this thing. I am this thing. I am right. this illness, and I don't want to belittle people who are suffering with disease and illness and that kind of stuff. That's not what no, I mean. Right? Yeah. I I wasn't ready to identify with being sick. I'm not sick, mm-hmm. and it gave me this this diagnosis of something that doesn't exist. Rheumatoid arthritis exists, but non-specific rheumatoid arthritis doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's not a thing. I just had all the signs and symptoms of RA without testing positive for RA itself. Mm-hmm. They had the drugs for me uh, for something that I don't even have. Right. And so I wanted to find some other way to heal mm-hmm. myself. And a friend of mine at work um, said, have you ever heard of Wim Hof? And the Wim Hof method. And I looked into it and the Wim Hof, everybody's heard of Wim Hof and the Wim Hof mm-hmm. method. It's, it's this deep circular breath work where you breathe in and out yeah. all the way and you hold your breath. Seven and years ago though, that'd be kind of ahead of the, ahead of the curve, I guess, when it comes to Wim, right? Like yeah, way ahead. Yeah. Right. Uh, totally. So, but uh, there's still, there's some stuff out there on him. There was, um, mm-hmm. a, a, there's a few documentaries out about him and I'd actually heard of him years before that. Okay. Discovery Canada had produced this documentary about the Iceman, right, yeah. the crazy guy who could withstand the cold. Mm-hmm. And he was running a marathon in the Arctic, minus 40 degrees, and he just had shorts on. Barefoot, bare-chested, just shorts, ran a marathon. thought, hey, that's pretty amazing. I like the cold too. I, can, I used to always sort of joke with people that in the cold, because I do winter camping as well, in the cold, I just turned my thermostat up. I was always able to just will myself to be warm. And I could always just be warm no matter what. Mm. So I found it interesting. I never thought of them. But then I discovered that this Wim Hof method, this breathing and this cold exposure, ice baths and cold showers was really good for people who were suffering from inflammatory disorders, which is what I was right. suffering. So I got into it, loved it. My inflammatory disorder went away, right. gone, felt better, felt like it better than I had in 10 years. Got deeper and deeper and deeper into it. And practicing it every day. Download. Finally, an app came out. I was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I wanted to, I was in, in a personal training. I was teaching people. I wanted to teach the Wim Hof Method to other people. This, was, this saved my life. So I signed up for the advanced module. This was three years, just over three years ago. I signed up for the advanced module in California. And I went down to California and I was doing this breath work. And there was about 40 of us in this room doing this advanced course. It was the second advanced course ever held. And Wim was there, and we were breathing and breathing. We did this extended breath practice, more breathing than I'd ever done in my life. Up to then, my breath practice was four rounds, 30 breaths. So you breathe three times, hold your breath. Do that four times. That was the Wim Hof method. This, we just kept breathing and breathing (laughs) and breathing. And holy shit, what's happening? I'm like, 
buzzing. My hands are cramping up. My face is going numb. What's wrong with me? This is weird. And just feeling like my, my sense of self dissolved. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was on some really heavy drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hadn't done drugs in many, many years at that point. Um, and it just felt really weird. And then at the end of this, this extended breath practice, I was felt something stirring. Like what's I feel, what is this? I feel weird. What's, what's happening to me. Mm-hmm. I feel, I don't know what that is. I just push that, push that down, put that, put that away. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with, that. put it away. I'm a good Presbyterian boy. We don't have, <laughs> and locked it up tight. Yeah. And a couple months later, I was in Australia for the master module to become an instructor. I was accepted into the instructor program. Went to Australia for that, which I find that kind of funny. This Canadian kid goes to California and Australia for cold exposure. Right. There I was, <laughs> and uh, again at the and in this five day master. Uh, module we did extended breath practice every day lots of meditation learning how to teach and i was already a teacher i was teaching fitness modality i was teaching facial stress therapy throughout canada mm-hmm. and into the states so i was already a teacher i was very good at teaching i love teaching mm-hmm. and through this five-day thing we were told to um, meditate on our blockage uh, i don't know what a blockage is what are you talking about a blockage mm-hmm. all right i'll meditate i'll breathe and breathe and breathe and meditate on my blockage whatever and on the last day, day five, we did our final extended was a 90-minute breath practice. I'm just breathing and breathing and breathing. And at the end of that, again, I'm like feeling, what's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. What's happening to me? I'm feeling that thing again. And then we went into the ice bath for the last time. And I found my blockage. Mm. When you go into an ice bath, Wim calls the, calls the ice the righteous teacher you are fully exposed. When you go in, you feel this, this rush, this panic, this surge of stress and you're breathing sucks in and you, and you have to breathe it out and control your breathing in and out. So I have a smoke blowing in my face here. Oh, the inside. Nice. I, don't know if <laughs> I can see it. As I breathe. Yeah. As you breathe in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. It's the worst taste. I got one over there. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. so I got, I got over that rush and then I calmed it down and then boom, I found my blockage. Mm-hmm. I found it. And it was like my brain is like a Rubik's cube and it suddenly went right. snap. All the colors lined up and I saw my life. I saw all of my past. I saw all of my future and I saw my, my place in the world and my purpose mm-hmm my passion, my drive, and my blockage, mm-hmm. this emotional blockage in my life. And this surge of emotion just burst up through my body. And I laid in this ice water for 10 minutes, laughing and crying hysterically, just just pouring out of me. And I couldn't, I couldn't stop. There was no bottling this one up. Right. It was yeah. pouring out of me. And... You know, I finished, I got out, I kind of stopped a little and I came on again. I had to just go and sit down and I cried. Right. I cried and I cried and I cried. Years worth of tears. And I realized I kind of counted backwards. And the, the last time I cried, I believe, was when I was 12. It was the first time I cried in 32 years. Just 
you know, wow. pets dying, grandparents dying, breaks up, break up with girlfriends, and you know, mm-hmm. all, all of life's little events right. that you should feel sorrow and grief. No, bottle it up, put it away. Don't feel it. Right. And I realize now that the the physical illness mm-hmm. I had been developing was the physical manifestation of the, of that trauma of that lack of processing emotions. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've spent the past three years now um, learning to process, learning to be in touch with emotions, mm-hmm. and breathing with that, and learning to breathe properly and using breath to access that part of self and then teaching this to other people, teaching people who are unable to access those things in their life, those blockages, those little things, trauma, memories, unable to process emotions, unable to understand emotions. And what I've come to learn is that we have all sorts of of therapy modalities where you um, and they're all good. They're mm-hmm. all fantastic stuff where you sit down with the therapist and you talk about, you know, what's wrong with you? Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to. Nothing wrong with me. I don't have any words. There's so much within us that is mm-hmm. beyond words. Right. But we are so structured, so boxed in, in our head, in this logic center. Mm-hmm. In, in the West, I know other cultures are much better at processing this than well we said, are. yeah. But we are so trapped in this little tiny box with little tiny rules. This is how to be that we can't access these things that are beyond words. It's an energy within us. It's trapped within us. But when you, you breathe, you override, you override the words. There's no words. Mm-hmm. You breathe and you move energy. You move your body and you move energy. The, uh, and when we right. access and we start to get in touch with our body, with movement, with breathing and learning to breathe with your body, not just this thing that happens in your lungs mm-hmm. or the sensation you have in your nose or this, <laughs> or just never think about it, about it, learning to breathe, learning to be with your breath, learning to notice the spontaneous breath within you without control. Mm-hmm. That's when it takes off. And that's what we do mm-hmm. in breathing in nature right. is find your nature through your breath. And it's, it would, it, yeah, it's such a good tool. It says, hey, what about me? This little part of self jumps up and says, you've been ignoring me. Right. Mm-hmm. And we are like little little worlds, right? So we have deserts. We have uh, rainforests in us. We have uh, boreal forests. We're different parts of us that need that recognition. And yeah, like sometimes certain parts of us get pushed down for whatever reason. May it be culture. May it be events, past traumas, like you say. But um, helping people. You were talking about your, your, you know, finding your purpose and helping people. And I know you do awesome stuff in that regard, but helping people with these blockages, find these stuck emotions that are causing pain. And really like you want to get rid of like pharmaceutical, like the more money is spent on pharmaceutical painkillers and it's the most poisonous stuff out there than anything. Kill. It kills people. Yeah. Thousands of people. Yeah. Right. And that's just it. Like helping people, any, any work, any modality, like you say, there's many out there, but like anything, and I, I, but I do think that breath work and how you're speaking about no words to that for me as someone, you know, uh, who likes to use my brain in words, it's this type of experience is, is also where I've found stuck blockages and go, aha, that's what's there. That's where, yeah. And I first discovered this when I was in personal training and I'd have, I kind of specialize in pain 
when I was a personal trainer and people come to me with chronic pain mm-hmm. as a fascial stretch therapist. I still am. I still do that work. Right. But people come to me and they're, they're in chronic pain. They say, well, you know, my, my shoulder's been hurting me for five years. Well, where in your, like what part of your shoulder? My shoulder. Well, <laughs> where in your shoulder? My shoulder. Yeah. Point to your pain. And they look at their shoulder going, well, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. They couldn't tell me where. They couldn't point. They couldn't touch their pain. Right. They sensed a pain in their shoulder, but they didn't know where it was. Right. And so I take them through exercises and fascial stretch therapy and breathing and connecting with their body again as I move their body. And they would have a, a, an emotional release. This is mm, like right, yeah. before I did all my emotional release work. I'm like, that's weird. Mm, totally. <laughs> that but I, I'd move them and, and you'd feel it in their body. They kind of go, <gasps> and the whole body would relax. Oh, yeah. And they'd get off the table and they go, hey, the pain is gone. You know, for the first time in years, the pain is gone. Mm-hmm. gone. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. Great work. Right. And, but they released something. And I didn't know what it was, but they released something. And we trap this, we trap pain in our body. We, tra- we trap a trauma in our body. It's not just in our head. Our nervous system isn't just a brain. Our nervous system is all over us. Right. From the tip of your head to the tip of your toes is all nervous system. And we put our, our emotions and our trauma and our memories in our body. And when we don't want to deal with something, we just trap it somewhere. Right. That causes pain. There's an energetic trap of energy in our body. And right. I never, I never all this whole energy stuff. Right. Give me, I'm a geologist by training. I, I'm like a material scientist. You're right. Yeah. I don't believe in that stuff. Totally. Uh, but I experience it all the time. Without a doubt. And that's just it. I think that's why I think we're having this very conversation because there's more uh, individuals like us out there, whether you're coming from fitness background, have this. I mean, I've been a classically trained business student, right? So again, everything's dollars and cents essentially, right? And then when you start to experience these things through health and fitness, through your own, you know, struggles or injuries or whatever it may be, you start to, uh, yeah, you start to chip away at like healing old, old things that are stuck. And it's so true. I mean, yeah, you were talking about you feeling irritable and just not good. And and I can definitely relate throughout my early part of my thirties, feeling the same where I'm not living in alignment with my true nature. And Mm -hmm. I mean, pushing, working on a business to grow when meanwhile, my purpose, as I know it through breath work and through actually a vision quest in nature and through doing some, um, kind of, yeah, some, some deep breath work and then having a, like an ego death experience where I was able to say, Oh, there's my blockage. And it, and it's rather deep. So, I mean, like you say, there's integration afterwards and that's where our breath is the guide where, you know, how am I doing in regards to integrating what I've learned? Right. It, am I having, am I falling back into old patterns? Am I, uh, for me, it's like smoking, smoking weed, like realistically is, has been my medicine throughout most of my younger days, then realizing how, that affects my breath, right? And why I'm doing that and storing it in your chest. And it's, uh, I mean, I think there's there's deeper things there with s- smudging and incense and things like that that I'm able to accomplish. But at the same time, I find there's a, there's a habit there, there's a pattern. And mm-hmm. when I go into breath work, say if I meditate on that specific blockage, each time you're able to kind of sit with it in a different way and move that energy rather than mm-hmm. being stuck. And I find breath work as just one of the best tools we can do on our own, like, because I do believe we're all our own healer and we just need the, to- the proper tools, right? So breathwork being amazing. And I do love your story about, uh, you know, individuals not exactly being able to like pinpoint pain in their, in their bodies because I think that's, um, 
yeah, I think that I actually am thinking of a client that I had um, that was dealing with erectile dysfunction things. And so I, he had told me this and it was also dealing with prostate problems. So we were doing stability ball work. I'm sitting on one now, but just being basically doing figure eights and breathing and asking him to breathe into those areas. Then basically mm-hmm. having to stop a workout and go to the washroom because with gym shorts on um, and when an erection comes, you can't really hide it. Right. <laughs> and this is what, ha- this is what's happening. Right. So, and, and this is a man, this is a banker at about 60 years of age, um, looking to just, you know, lose some weight essentially before, um, you know, go to the gym three times a week. And it's amazing how breath work gives you more than you ever bargained for. Right. Like, um, so yeah, I don't know. I just, there's so much there on, uh, what you said. And I think it's, uh, people might be like, Oh geez, that doesn't sound fun. Those type of experiences. But I mean, uh, well, this is a good little segue into like stoicism. Because, right, these are emotions that men, when I'm talking about men, not wanting to feel. Not wanting, obviously, erectile dysfunction. And actually, later on, his wife had actually, she had a good relationship with the whole family. But anyways, his wife had emailed me and said, thank you very much for (laughs) this new exercise that you've got him doing. But anyways, um, yeah, let's talk about men and and these emotions and pushing them down and finding ourselves for nature. Because we all have this call to nature right now, men especially. But everyone has a call to nature after being in quarantine. And, uh, yeah, like how... How do we find ourselves in nature through breathwork and, and what happens along the way, I guess, that men should maybe know about or what is stoicism even? <laughs> well, I, to start with that, um, I'll start with a stoic question. Like what okay, is cool. stoic? Um, I always thought, like I was told growing up, you know, to be stoic, stiff upper lip and all that. Right. Um, I, was, I was born in the UK. I come from an English family. Right. So My last name's Slade, so I know that goes a long way over there. The same place. Like Without just don't. Yeah, don't have emotions. Whatever, don't have emotions. Um, and they're beaten into you at a young age. Right. Um, so, and that's what I thought stoic was to be stoic. That's a small s, stoic. To be stoic right. with a capital S is to very much have emotions and to recognize them, to understand them, and to feel them, and to process them, and then to decide what to do about it. Mm. So, I, th- I believe it's Aurelius is, says that, uh, you know, uh, life makes impressions on your soul. Mm-hmm. We are to observe those impressions. What does this mean? Right. And to understand it. So when, you know, you, when you're driving and you come to, and you're running a little bit late and you come to a red light and you're like, ah, the rage builds. Example. And then you look at that and go, that changes nothing. Mm-hmm. The light is still red. Right, my life will not change with this emotional response. And sure, but then you notice that okay, that's a primary emotion. Oh, it's red. It's done. Secondary emotion is now I'm just going to stew. The, the secondary emotion is how do you feel about the primary emotion? Now I'm just angry about it. I'm fed up. I'm pissed off. I'm annoyed. I'm you know all these all these secondary emotions come on, and then you feel like that for hours. That's where stoicism comes in. Feel emotions, Mm -hmm. feel the rage, feel the joy, feel the hate, the jealousy, the the lust, the anger, Mm -hmm. feel them all. And then feel all the good stuff too. Now, what does that mean to feel that? Oh, this thing made me feel this way. What does that mean? That's what stoicism does. It gives you a moment to pause and think, I was really wound up about that. Why? And then you would understand why you, you feel these things. Mm-hmm. And so next time this happens, you think, oh, there's that thing again. Mm-hmm. There's that thing that makes me feel that way. 
why does that thing make me feel that way? And then you start understanding why you have these little triggers that make you feel anger at a red light. Right. Well, I think, yeah, and that's just it. I mean, uh, you have anger. You don't know what to do with it. You don't ask why ever. We're maybe not taught to, right, depending on your upbringing. But um, you just kind of push them down as bad. These emotions are bad. Oh, the red light's bad. And every you go through life, everything's bad. And it's that negativity bias that we kind of evolved with. What's What's bad or dangerous in my environment? But like you said, a red light's not bad. And it's just is what it is. And also as men, you know, we're not supposed, and, and women too, but Western society as a whole, but yeah. I think men have, have a little bit harder. Um, men have it harder in everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how. But yeah, we, we feel these emotions and we're not, we're not supposed to have emotions. So push it down, get rid of it, hide it. You haven't hidden it. You haven't got rid of it. You're just holding it inside of you. Right. Right. And because you're not, and you just push it somewhere, you, you push into that bum shoulder, you push into your bad hip, your sore knee, you just push it down and you hold and it hurts. It's still there. Right. Well, I find it interesting. You doing fascial stretch therapy, which the breath uh, having worked with Colin for fascial stretch therapy, just knowing how breathing into whatever muscle he's working on is uh, like, is a big part of that release and that whole thing. Right. So it's, and again, even thinking about what is it, it's amazing what comes out of people's mouths. I'm sure you working with, you know, as a therapist, like um, what comes out of people's mouths while you're working on certain areas of the body. And it's like, Oh, you seem to be holding that, uh, parent or that that those parental issues that down in your hip right down in those sense of security and stability and being able to connect those two things again with a breath through therapy or sitting in nature you can just kind of again chip away at what your blockage is right one of the things that uh, i feel when i'm doing uh, fascial stress therapy with somebody is when we're going into those stretch places Mm -hmm. when you're starting to get to the edge and we have something called r1 r2 r1 is where you first start to feel a resistance Mm -hmm. and r2 is a stretch that the client feels and it's that R1, they, they may not even feel anything. But what I feel in their body is a, <gasps> their breath goes up right away. They, and as soon as I get into that little spot that they can't even feel yet, totally. breath is changing. So they don't know it here, but their breath is changing. So they know it in their heart. Their emotional response to that has already changed. And that's when I know I'm getting to the juicy bits. I'm getting to the part that they're holding something. We go into that in the, uh, the sto- in the in the breathe class, the the thinkific uh, breathe class. Okay. The, yep. Where we go specifically into those areas where you know you have some tight areas in your body, then mm-hmm. I guide you into that into a self stretch, and then notice your breath, and then use your breath to access that stretch to go deeper and allow that energy to release. Right. And it does. And. I've had a number of people who have taken the course mm-hmm. who have got back to me and said, why does that stretch make me cry? Mm. Why do I burst laughing whenever I do that stretch? <laughs> I know them both. Yes. Yeah. Emotional. It can be, Oh, it's good. Bad, it can be a bad emotion. Air quotes comes, bad, right? Yeah, air quotes bad for people who are listening. Yeah. It can be a bad emotion, but it comes out in laughter. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That energetic release is going to come out somehow. Mm-hmm. Might be laughter, might be tears. I it always, might the, feel a rage. Right. Yeah. I find laughter comes from uh, a lot of times with me and I, I, why am I laughing after thinking of something that I thought was bad? It's because that's not bad. That's so silly that you thought that was bad. And then you just laugh at yourself and it's like a deep guttural laugh. That's just, I mean, being great medicine, I guess, in the time, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I had a client a few years ago who, uh, he would come in a couple, couple times a week to the gym I was working in and we'd stretch and 
it was just a laugh fest. It was a giggle fest for the entire hour he was on my table. Mm-hmm. He just giggled. The whole- <laughs> and it was just, he had a very stressful job, but he loved his job. Mm-hmm. But his way of managing it was just, I'm going to wait till I see Steve and I'm on the table. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah. The stress and he just giggled. I'd be giggling. I'm like, just like laughing and laughing and laughing as we're stretching the whole time. Oh, man, yeah, it was That's, great. That is great. Well, we're talking about, <laughs> I, yeah, I can think of uh, like even, yeah, some of the conversations you have with your therapist, they're, they're good people. And I mean, throughout the whole, I mean, what I was specifically thinking about was my osteopathic appointment I had today and um, just hips, tight piriformis. Everyone's sense of security and stability right now is just like, what the F, right? So everyone's got tight piriformises and tight glute needs and all those little the hip everything hips right so uh yeah yes that's so as that attaches oh, yeah. into your legs and everything that goes through that which pure form is and everything else uh, that is somehow connected fascially into that psoas mm-hmm. um i mean it's a total fight or flight muscle right if we're in that well it is right yeah everybody's in that uh state of uh anticipatory grief mm-hmm we're all suffering from right now anticipatory grief something bad is going to happen i don't know what it is but i'm really scared right grieving the loss of something that i don't even know i have and our bodies are responding to it oh yes and 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 even me like i i I teach meditation every day i have private meditation clients i go into that state but when i go in for myself i go into that grief and that sorrow every time and it, those blockages never really stop. You might find the big one. Oh, that's that. Okay. You feel great and, you know, can move on and start to work. But again, there's going to be the next thing or the next. We have to function. Yeah. In, in life. I can't like. Or feedback some, systems in nature, right? Something bad and unfortunate happened to me. I can't just, you know, fall on the ground and weep for a while. Like I have to, you know, yeah. get all day. Right. Mm-hmm. So there is, you have to, to, to survive. Stores, you do have yeah. not deal with that right now. I'm going to deal with it later. Right? We have to do that. That's how we survive. True. Right? Even in fight or True. flight, right? When, when you're being attacked by something, you, you can't, you either have to fight back or run away. Mm-hmm. When you're fighting back, there's a part of you that is running away and you're not letting it do it. Right. Right. And we're in that mode all the time. Like we, right. that's a natural response, that fight or natural response. Driving your car today, you were in fight or flight. You were in a high stress situation as driving your car. Mm-hmm. You weren't, you didn't stop the car to have a cry. You <laughs> continued to drive your car. Right. Part of you wanted to just stop and cry. That's it. Part of you were stressed. You're going to be late. Part of you was stressed because you had to get to the bathroom. You know, the part of you was was stressed because of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You pushed forward. You kept going. Totally. <laughs> and you're just driving your car. It seems like a silly analogy, but it's no, it's good though. And that's that's the daily like stoic type mentality that you can develop. And I think uh, it's it's so needed in these times to have that type of resilience and discernment to say, I'm going to keep going and fighting right now and yeah. I can and flee flee later or, or rest later or, do, you know, freeze but later. Then, and you do have to do that later. You have to release it. Right. Um, I just came in from walking my dog and she she was running around with a bunch of other dogs and it got a little rough and tumble mm. for a bit. Right. From, what did she do right away? Just <laughs> shook it out. Oh, yeah. Done. All done. She came up wagging her tail at me. We don't do that. Totally. We don't shake it out. When when you look at a National Geographic thing and you see some antelope that almost got eaten by the cheetah, mm-hmm. it just shakes it off and goes back to eating grass. Totally. We're almost eaten by another animal. <laughs> that's like, that's the human brain, right? Um, yeah, I'd love to, you know, I'm thinking of the book, uh, Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, right? Because they're not like, yeah, they're drinking from the stream. Someone gets eaten by the hippo. 
They're not like, oh my god, I'm the, I'm next, I'm next. Oh no, <laughs> like they're just back to drinking. But if you don't release, but they that, release it, yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. and and we don't, we don't release our trauma. We right. often, and I see, you know, just you know, hitting a red light isn't isn't traumatic per se. But I know people who have been in a fender bender mm-hmm. in their car. They're not hurt. Nothing's wrong. The car got dented. They're fine. They're waking up with nightmares yeah. for months because they haven't processed the trauma of being in a fender bender. Yeah. And then I know other people have gone through horrific events in their life that you couldn't, couldn't fathom what it would be like to go through that. And they yeah. process the trauma and they're fine. They talk openly about their experience. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm going back to thinking about the programs you had worked with, like um, getting people outdoors and overcoming those obstacles outdoors at a young age as well. That's why I love, I mean, as teaching, I love the early like 20s thinking of myself back then kind of or even late teens and that needing those types of experiences where it's just like, hey, you can handle this type of stuff. And it's that you know yeah. early, early stoicism kind of teaching them. Yeah. Through through these rites of passages, yeah. uh, without I mean, a doubt. And so many of these, the young boys in the Young Offender uh, Facility Project there, um, they came from a urban setting. Life was, you know, materially easy for right. them, though they came from underprivileged environments, for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, they never had to push themselves. You know, they never had to carry a heavy backpack or with a canoe on top of them through a portage, right. where it's like, like you're just it's getting hard and you push on and you push on and you push on and as you're doing that your brain starts spinning and thinking all about all the other difficult stuff and you go into a wonderful flow state where you start processing a lot of junk that's in your head all things but this was you know that this thing that sucked and that thing that happened and that teacher was mean to me and that girlfriend broke up with me in a mean way and that guy i got in a fight with and this thing and that thing it just starts pouring through your head and totally. that was just bullshit <laughs> a canoe on my head and right. i'm being like mosquitoes this is life totally this is what the struggle is and you finish that yeah. and your body says thank you yeah you yeah, connect you, totally. with your body and all this energy starts coming out of you mm. and that's like that's like it, it is the the whole operating system starts to run better more connected to what's happening right now mosquitoes biting me sweat from shoveling or, or whatever you're working out there and doing. Cause yeah, that's just it. We're, we're hitting like literally closing tabs that are open in the browser of our minds all the time when you're out there doing that stuff. That's uh, it's good stuff. You know, we talked about, well, we talked about some people not believing this energy and stuck emotion. I mean, that's, I don't know that I know there's a lot of folks out there that are still like that, but I also know a lot of folks are turning to this and I'm sure a lot of people listening or maybe keen on the science, but I thought I'd ask you a little bit of the physiology of breath work and what's happening maybe in our brain and how we're mm-hmm. able to kind of like hit those states of like calm, euphoric tingles yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Like what's, uh, what's going on? And that's what got me into the Wim Hof. That's why I loved right. the Wim Hof. Tons, like, of, tons of research on it. There's tons of research and there's, there's a reason for what's happening. We know what it is. And when we just, when we just stop and we pay attention to our breath, so right, like for, for the average person there, you're, you're in the office or you're online, you're doing phone calls, you're working, and you're busy, 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 busy. When we measure the brain, we measure the brain waves, lots of different brain waves, but we're stuck in a beta wave brain. And that's the right. busy wave. That's where, you think, that's where you're trying to figure something out when that's, you're trying to. Yeah. That's the one yeah. we're trained into, uh, you know, throughout school, essentially, right? Yeah. yeah like, when you're trying to. Most, your mass and science. Language, you're trying to understand a document. You're mm-hmm. trying to figure something out. You're in beta. Right. 
doing beta when you're just spinning. Ah, so much stimuli coming in. It beta wave is just like bouncing all over the place. You're, you can't focus it. When we stop and we pay attention to our breath and just watch, we start to settle that beta wave and we start to increase alpha wave. And alpha wave is what's uh, dominant in flow state and this high flow and low flow states. Um, and one of the things that, has, and so flow state is, uh, is actually activated for like, everybody's heard of the word flow state and flow state happens when you're doing something extreme, when you're biking down the side of a mountain, right? You right. go into flow um, or like skiing down the side of a mountain. I guess you could bike down the side of a mountain, but when you're doing something extreme, you go into flow state in this time dilation. You don't know how you did it. You just, you tapped into some unknown skill set within your body to get something done. That's flow state, high flow. And that's triggered by an acute anxiety moment that triggers that, that alpha wave flow state. Mm-hmm. We're already, the people are already in that acute anxiety, acute stress thing. So when we just stop and we observe our breath, we start to quieten down that busy beta wave and we go into a low alpha. But when we also just pay attention and, and observe the breath and we just, uh, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out, I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out. And just feeling the, the shift within your body of your mm-hmm. breath without thinking about the grocery list, the to-do yeah. list whatever it is we activate a part of our prefrontal cortex called the anterior cingulum and the anterior cingulum is an interesting part of the prefrontal cortex which is what makes us human beings Mm -hmm. Uh, it's right behind your eyes it's behind your forehead and it ties into the limbic system which is an older part of your brain that's responsible for the fight or flight it's responsible for those those dwelling emotions that you're stuck in so you activate this anterior cingulum and you start to look at your brain, you look at the emotions within you and go, oh, why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling that? So just by paying attention to your breath, you start to notice the emotions that you're feeling. Because mm-hmm. people don't. People don't know when they're stressed out. They don't know when they're angry. And that's why we snap at people. By how you like shout at your kids and then why do I shout at my kid? Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're not aware of your emotions. Right. But when we pay attention to our breathing, we activate this part of our brain that allows us to pay attention to our feelings. We allow us to become aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just that's it. Just- it does allow it. It's it's like any skill, whether you're like working out for exercise, exercising for a fitness goal or a, some type mm-hmm. of physical goal. It's the same thing here. It's that mindfulness in the moment where if we pause to do a breath practice, I find I'm throughout the day way more easy to see where I'm at and how I want to respond to something, mm-hmm. right? It's, and again, like breathing in nature, what a better place to do this in because you're seeing, you're experiencing this and feeling like a part of it essentially when, when going deep enough, say through Wim Hof by a beach or what have you, some of these, some of these uh, natural landscapes when doing the breath work, again, just I think personally allows those uh, brainwaves just kind of get right into that alpha state and, uh, and beyond, I guess, really, because yeah, it's, it's amazing what nature can do mm-hmm. for this. Yeah. And then, so that's just noticing your mm. breath. Now we change your breath. Now we take control of it. And when we take control, listen, we have to use this prefrontal cortex again to take control and mm. to consciously breathe in, breathe out, mm. to take that control and breathe in a rhythmic manner over and over again. Now the Wim Hof method isn't rhythmic. It is just big breath in, let it go. Just big breath, in. let it go. That's all it is. What I do in the stoic breath 
mm-hmm. came from the Wim Hof method, came from other breath modalities that, uh, that, I, that I do. We'll get into that more. Mm-hmm. We breathe in a rhythmic breath. Mm-hmm. And I count four in, four out, four in, four out. So you have this steady in-out circular rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that, again, begins to change the brain, change the brainwave patterns. Mm-hmm. And I start shifting from that alpha, and we start activating more of a theta wave. Mm-hmm which is what's active in sleep states and in REM. Right. Now, when we go into dream state, when we fall asleep and our eyes start to move, rapid eye movements, we go into REM state or we go into a theta wave, which is where we're dreaming. Mm-hmm. And when we're in theta wave, that's when our brain is healing. We're starting to process stuff that we're not even aware of in there. That's why we have weird dreams. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's all sorts of stuff about what do dreams mean? Because dreams are trying to figure out stuff that's just bouncing around in our head. Our, our brain is yeah, like, yeah. We, our bra- I don't know if we've, our brain is this weird evolutionary step that we're not ready for yet. <laughs> so there's too much going on. Right. And we understand it. So when we dream, we start to process all the stuff that we can't understand. Well, when we consciously and in an awake state activate this dream-like state, this REM state, this theta wave, we start processing stuff inside our head mm-hmm. through this rhythmic breathing wow. and so weird thoughts will burst into your mind right. weird memories weird emotions weird like why did i think about that totally. why am i having this like visual effects start to happen right like weird stuff you go into a dream-like state but you're awake and you're conscious thinking what the hell is happening it's such an amazing tool right there to, to tap into like consciousness. Like if you can actually become, it's almost like a lucid dreaming essentially, but if you can in those states become aware of what's going on and you're, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited. So for the listener, I have just signed up for stoic breath and I'm going to download here after I'm, I'm ho- I'd like to be able to get on that call with you. We'll see, see if I can move my one thing around, but uh, just to be able to get into, yeah, such a deep state of breath, I think through what you've created is just an amazing thing. Actually, while I'm even segueing or, taking kiboshing the whole physiology talk i kind of want you to touch on how did you create the whole stoic breath program because i know you've you've dabbled in whim you're a trainer so i'm sure there's other breath work modalities you've done what are some of them or what where did you decide to say i'm going to make this up because it's yeah yeah um wim hof is the first to say he did not invent breath work yeah well said yeah true wim hof didn't invent the wim hof yoga's been around i mean wim's an old yogi right so i mean yeah yeah so he studied pranayamic yoga and he Mm. studied with the in Tibet, right? Or probably, yeah, probably not in Tibet, but uh, the Twoma monks of Tibet. Um, mm-hmm. So he studied that pranayamic yogic breath world, and that's where the Wim Hof method comes from. Mm-hmm. And then he used the stuff that just worked for him. Exactly. Yeah. He likes to do it. It's the Wim Hof method. Um, when I was teaching the pure Wim Hof method, I there was a, a gentleman in my class of the Sikh background, and he said, "This is just like," and I can't remember the word he used. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is just like this prayer exercise that we do in temple. Um, cool uh, amazing um and i've studied other i've studied um not not formal in scott there's not there's not a lot of real schools of breath work right. uh, it's all just cultural breath work but i've done shamanic breath work and rebirthing breath work and holotropic breath work um what about boyteco breathing have you ever the russian research there oh i'm a i'm a certified uh auction advantage okay uh, i've done i've done all that okay and Incorporated a lot of Boiteco into the the breathe course as well. We go into that uh, carbon dioxide tolerance stuff. Very very important. Right. Yeah. Um, so when I was doing the Wim Hof method, I would um, do in the the 
30, 40, 50 big breaths in and let it go. Mm. But part of me felt like I wanted to go and find a rhythmic breath. I liked doing the rhythmic breathing. And uh, I was sharing it with a friend of mine and they said, that, that, well, that's, that's um, holotropic breathing. That's shamanic breath work. Oh, so I looked into that and went, oh, it is. Yeah, that's shamanic breath work. And then I felt, uh, as I was doing this, you mentioned prostates, actually. When I was breathing, I always felt this urge to pull my breath from my pelvic floor and to even squeeze mm. the floor muscles, the, the muscle they would use to stop the flow of urine when you go to the bathroom. I, I felt like I wanted to squeeze and draw my breath from the very bottom of my spine and pull it all the way up, up through my body, not pull air in to my lungs from my nose, but to lift breath up from my pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to do that. And that changed. That made me feel very energetic and I would get a lot of big visual effects and hallucinations when I did that. And somebody pointed out that I'm, that that's, um, oh, the word's gone. I've lost it. Mm-hmm. But I was squeezing from my root and going up through the chakras. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, Kundalini, it's right. Kundalini there you uh, that I'm that I'm drawing Essentially, up. Yeah, right. What the hell is Kundalini <laughs> coming from that material? Uh, right. thing. I never paid attention to stuff like that. That was just yeah, whatever. That's some traditional stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I looked into chakras and the energy centers in the body. And went, what are those? Mm-hmm. And they actually coincide with nerve junctions in the spine. They they overlay stuff, and they also overlay the fascial net that I work with as well. Uh, wow, that's really cool. So just really being in touch with my body and feeling my way forward through breath work, I wanted to breathe this way. It just felt better for me to breathe this way. Mm-hmm. And then I, I learned a, a trick. I was watching um, a documentary on hypnosis and uh, they would often trigger people to um, go into a hypnotic state. And if you ever watch hypnotists, street hypnotism stuff, they move their hands and they move their hands up like that. So you follow their hands up and you roll your eyes up mm. and that movement triggers theta wave. Oh, no way. Yeah. And often when you're sleeping and you go into rapid eye movements, your eyes are rolling up and you're rolling your eyes up and up, up here. Right. Yeah. So I started to breathe and I would follow my breath with my eyes as I was breathing and I let my eyes roll up and I would go just, that's when I would just dissolve. I would just disappear from existence, from time, space. Right. Which is kind of surreal. Totally. And I'd lose this sense of body. Wow. And I was just this energetic so you've, entity in a state of hypno meditation. Right. And a beauty, like, I mean, for a listener maybe who hasn't experienced this, but it sounds like a pretty darn comfortable place to be in this meditative zone, right? It, well, it is. I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't, not to put a good or bad on it, right? Because I know at the same time you can. Yeah, it's comfortable for me because um, I like yeah. to go wherever that goes. Like I do a lot of shadow work, shadow mm-hmm. meditation, where I go into that dark self and find those darker emotions, that stuff that I've been trapped mm-hmm. with for a long, long time. I go in and grab a little piece of it every now and then for and, bring sure. it and say, this is, this is some trauma that I need to deal with. And it's dark and scary and sad and, and, right angry and full of rage and full of joy and wonderment and compassion at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you get into the state of learning to surrender mm-hmm. to that place and just allow it to move through you. And, and then that's the next thing that I had to learn as I was doing this, because I'd have this very profound experience 
um, often through visuals and hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just breath work. We haven't even got into the plant medicine yet. Right, yeah, right. Experiencing <laughs> these incredible things. And then, you know, I go into it again. I want to do that again. Nope, not going to happen. Right. You can't grab onto it. You can't strive for it. You have to just surrender to whatever wants to come up. Mm-hmm. That's the real power with breath work mm-hmm. is that you, it's yours. It's your, it's your breath. It's your body. It's your energy. And when it's ready to come out, when you're strong enough to deal with it, it's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell people when I'm working with them one-on-one. And even in group classes now, we get pretty deep mm-hmm. with a lot of people who come to all my classes. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of deeper releases. Um, I let them know that they are strong. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you need to have a good old cry right. when this comes out, let it go because you're strong enough to let this part come out right. and you're strong enough to feel it and to process it. Right. No, it's an important part of, I think, talking about breath work is just that uh, those, what might not be so comfortable all the time, right? When they do come up, because we were talking about finding blockages and that, and no, it's not. But through finding those blockages and dealing with the uncomfortable stuff, there's those releases because we're moving it through with breath and whatnot. But, um, and then at the same time, that's when we find like new levels of comfort or, or balance again with our true nature. Right. So, um, cause yeah, no, I'm glad that you said that. Cause it's, it's not, it's something you could easily oversell. Oh, breath works so amazing. It helps me stay more mindful throughout the day and that, but yeah, no, it, it once kind of going through them and then adding things like cold into, or, um, again, doing it in nature, it's, mm-hmm. uh, just layers to it. Right. Yeah. Well, and the, yeah, so I do, um, a lot of wilderness work and I take people out into the woods mm-hmm. and we do breath work in the woods after you've been hiking for a day and you've rested for a little bit and recovered and drank water and you're feeling good. And then you sit down in nature, in the dirt, feeling the earth underneath you mm-hmm. and do breath work. It's mind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> not, not only are you connecting with this energy within you, you're connecting with the energy all around you. And so many people I work with come from urban centers. I live in Toronto. It's like just concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I'm in high park, I'm not far away from the concrete jungle. But when you're out in the woods, out away from, you know, your, your cell phone and all the distractions of life and you're just moving with the rhythm of nature, with the rhythm of your body, and then you breathe with that rhythm mm-hmm. as well. That's when you find, I think that's actually where I, I first developed that, that rhythmic in mm-hmm. out where I developed, where I first discovered it for myself right, yeah. and, and felt like the rhythm of nature moving with me as I, would, as I was breathing, mm-hmm. you do notice it. And when we really you, do. And when you go into this breath where you notice that the trees are breathing, the ground is breathing, the lake is breathing right. with in its own way, that there's this energy movement. Mm-hmm. It's actually uh, the, the, the rhythm of the earth, the Schumann resonance is uh, yeah. 7 point, I can't remember exactly what 7. it is. 7.83, I believe. 7.83, yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, that's almost that 4 by 4 beat that we, we love. Right. And, right. right? Like we like that rhythm. Mm-hmm. That's the nature of life. Yes. I've, when, when I've you, talked about that before on the podcast and I've def I, in regards to like sound healing and sound music and again, stoic breath being having that full sound experience as well. Right. So it's amazing how uh, there seems to be a rhythm and when slowing yourself down and connecting with yourself, you can then easily connect to that rhythm. And then again, movement uh, or uh, swaying or just, yeah, that, that rhythmic breath makes sense. Right. And it's just amazing. Cause I do, as I've mentioned, everybody is their own healer and we all have the ability to breathe. If we're alive, we have the ability to breathe. So which way of all these pranayamas, Wim Hofs, uh, Stephen Beatties, all the ones out there, like, you know, which one resonates with you and which one do you want to like take and then even modify and do, do it your way, right? Like it's a, 
And that's just it. So breathe, connect with your, once you learn to connect with your breath and you ground your mindfulness in your breath, mm-hmm. it's always there. Right. Your breath is always there for you until it's not. And then who cares? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> once you have that connection with your breath, you'll always notice that you'll suddenly notice that <sighs> why, Oh, I'm, why am I breathing like that? Oh yeah, I've got that business call in in, in half an hour, and I'm more wound up than I thought. Because mm-hmm. now you've noticed your breath. You haven't noticed the thoughts wrapped up around that. You've noticed your breath. So why am I breathing like that? Right. Oh, it's that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, then you can and meditate on that. Okay, well, why am I upset about that? Is there something that I haven't resolved around this meeting that's coming up? What am I nervous about? Right. Or maybe it's that, or whatever it is, you go into whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for that event in your life. Right. Or maybe it was, you know, you had an argument with your spouse yesterday and everything was all fine. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you go into that, well, why am I not fine? Right. Just ask the question. It's such an anchor. Our breath is such an anchor and, and anyone who meditates knows that, but I mean, it, it can be such an anchor, right? And I think everyone's trying to come back to that in these times um, because yeah, it's, it's just a time for reconnecting with their breath to move inflammation, help our overall body just function and fight off whatever it needs to fight off here. You know, as we go into the winter months as like, you know, as the rhythms of nature do winter comes after summer, right? Fall, winter, and uh, we're almost there. So start breathing now is, yeah. my, is my thoughts. I, I often say this one breath flows into the next yeah. as day flows into nights, as one week flows to the next, right. as seasons flow into each other. And we're just here to witness, just witness your breath and mm. witness whatever's within you. Yep. Much like a tree in the forest or a mountain top that's just, you know, again, stoically standing there strong, right? And just taking the brunt of a storm when it comes, breathing through it. It's just such a great metaphor. And when you add the nature talk and uh, yeah, this has just been a great conversation. I am mindful of your time because I know you've got to get on with your workshop coming up. But I thought, you know, and this is great too, because we're talking practically as like, what will breath work, connecting with my breath work really do for me? So if someone's, I think, sitting on the fence out there, um, you know, we're going to, in a minute, I'll make sure we let everybody know how to go find breathing in nature and uh, all the offerings you have over there. But I thought maybe we could do a quick little, or you could maybe give your best breath during stressful times. Cause right now I'm, I'm uh, there's masks, mandated masks everywhere, as you know, and I don't personally love this. Okay. And um, so I've been standing in my power, but I've found myself breathing into my chest prior to going into the bank, not wearing my mask, my choice. I'm healthy everything's safe, but I'm going in there choosing not to wear a mask and I can feel my breath go up into my chest and I, my armpits start to like smell like an onion patch and it just really prime, like gets me going. So I'm, uh, basically what I'm trying to say is I've make sure I do my breathing exercises prior to going into these establishments. If I'm feeling un, you know, uneasy about it, sometimes I even put on a mask if I don't want to have, if I'm not strong enough to deal with it. But again, I'm, I'm giving myself that time to know what, what's up, Sean, like let's interact with the nature that is around me. So what type of, uh, you know, what type of quick little like stress beater breath technique do you have in your back pocket? So I'm going to give you three things, yes. four things. Uh, and I start, I do a lot of my corporate workshops. Okay. I teach stop, drop, and breathe. I like it. And think about those words, stop, drop, and breathe. Mm-hmm. Right away you're thinking about when you were a child in school and the firefighter came in and said, when you catch on fire... <laughs> if you were like me, you're thinking, when I catch on fire, yeah. <laughs> grow up. <laughs> yeah, We catch on fire all the time, though, on the inside. Right. right. On fire. Stop, drop, and breathe. Stop what you're doing. Now, that doesn't mean stop your car. You know, stop, stop driving. It means stop that 
that thought pattern that you're stuck in. Oh, I, I got to wear a mask. I got to wear a mask. I got to wear a stupid mask. Stop. Stop. You got to do it anyway. Stop thinking that. Right. Drop into the moment. So I'm in my body. I'm here. And breathe. I like to say take five. Take five seconds for a breath. Do that right now. Take a deep, slow breath in through your nose. Then a long, slow breath out. Nose or mouth, it doesn't matter. Just let that breath slowly fall away from your body. So let's take five. So maybe you could take five breaths. So in a corporate workshop, I'd have them take four more breaths. Just deep, slow breath in and a long, slow breath out. And it's that long, slow breath out that down-regulates you into the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest, and away from the sympathetic fight and flight. Long, slow breath out. So now we've noticed our breath. We've noticed where we are. But maybe where we are going into that business meeting, we don't want to be all dopey and sleepy. Maybe we want to be focused. Maybe we want to change that stress, that distress, into eustress. Stress is a very powerful tool. And we get struck in distress, the dis-ease of living. But eustress, the focus, it's the flow state, it's the energy. And we do that with a rhythmic breath. We do that by breathing in for four, three, two, one, out, four, three, two, one, in, four, three, two, one, out, four, three, two, one, in, four, three, two, one, out, four, three, two, one. A nice circular breath around and around. I'm very visual. I like to look at the circle in my mind as I breathe. I'm going to breathe into the top and out to the bottom. And that brings a little focus and energy and centers you. Mm-hmm. You're ready. Yeah. Or maybe it's the end of the day and you're lying in bed and saying, come on, brain, just shut up. Why don't you shut up, brain? Why am I thinking about that? Why am I thinking about thinking about that? How much time do I have left before I have to wake up? Mm-hmm. How much time do I have now to wake up? Mm. <laughs> We've all been there. Right. I use the four seven eight breath for that. That was made That's popular. Great, yeah. Four seven eight is great. Yeah. yeah. However, one of the things I find I talk about this on mm-hmm. the in the chorus four seven eight, where you breathe in for four seconds, you hold for seven seconds, and you breathe out for eight seconds. It's great if you have a good mm-hmm. um, CO two tolerance level. Right. But if you can't hold your breath for very long and you're stressed out, and you're anxious, and now you're forcing yourself to hold your breath for seven seconds, and all you want to do is breathe in again because you're out of air, but now you have to breathe out for eight seconds, you're freaking out. Right, yeah. Yeah, depending on when the four, seven, eight, like in the car isn't isn't a go-to for me, I'll do, yeah, I'll do something like a little shorter box breathing or uh, something else where I'm not holding as much because I find it can aggravate or intensify maybe feelings of anxiety if I'm if I don't have the proper space or if I'm driving say for example I don't don't I don't advise doing breath work while driving um no. you know not so, not really at all seven eight mm-hmm. is just breathe in comfortably mm-hmm. hold your breath comfortably a couple seconds and then breathe slowly out right. slow out yeah so it's that three bits a triangle breath you breathe in you hold you breathe out Right, triangle breath, yeah. We had a circle breath, we have a triangle breath, and then we have the box breath. So much to learn from you, Steve. 
so much to learn. No, that's just it. I, I started, for the listener, if they couldn't tell, I closed my eyes, got into the zone there with that breath because it was great. And that rhythmic four count, like you said, it really did focus me. And I felt um, everything come to center and kind of like rest in my in my belly and a greater awareness and a clearer head. So I'm sure energy is just kind of flowing up through me right now. I feel pretty good. So, um, well, that said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll use that in all your teachings. I mean, we could go a lot of places. I hope we do this again. Um, because that was great. And I think, um, yeah, what I want to do now kind of is, um, well, actually let's ask this one last question. I almost forgot. Um, what's your wildest dream for the earth? What's my wildest dream? Yeah. You're a man connected to, to the earth. Um, you're doing practices that are making you aware of yourself. I'm just really, it's, it's something I'm interested in knowing with all the people I talk to, cause I talk to a lot of really amazing, interesting people and I'm grateful for that. But yeah, some, what is that for you? Is for a full reconnection of humans with nature. We have forgotten where we came from. We are stuck in, in this modern busy world and this this past six or nine months i guess we're going on to now um we've had a big reconnection with ourselves with nature a lot of people going back to what what actually matters to me and i believe when when we as as human beings reconnect with nature in a real true way not just think oh yeah yeah the environment's good we should probably clean up the ocean or you know i'm going to volunteer and clean up this little river for a weekend and that's my job done to actually truly reconnect with earth mm-hmm. and to feel earth and to feel the energy of earth and to be in nature mm-hmm. and to feel nature be in us. That is my dream mm-hmm. to, and when, and when we fully and truly connect with earth that way, we can't hurt her anymore. We can't rob her anymore. When we, when we truly connect, right. right? When, when, when you are fully in love with earth, you won't be able to hurt her. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I'm lots to say about that, but I'll, I'll end it on that. Um, cause that's just it. I'm thinking of Thich Nhat Hanh's, uh, love letter to the earth. And once we truly fall in love with her, like in, in a way that, um, isn't like, uh, you know, like sex violence love like you might have with like as a young adolescence i'm talking like lover um partner in life right and to to make uh, mother earth our partner with in business in the way we teach in the way we come together and build our homes and, and find our food and all that bonded in partnership yeah we're really and we really and i mean i have the same hopes some may say you're a dreamer but you're not the only one my friend <laughs> because i i believe that we're in an opportunity now despite it not looking like this we're all looking at our blockage right now and it feels f- like shit right and it's easy to get triggered about masks or anything right now kids all that stuff so i i, I thank you for saying that because and in this whole conversation and everything you teach because yeah here we are with tools you know if we if we use them and they're all right here with us in our local environment or in our bodies so yeah, yeah. They're- simple tools that exist within you right and we can and we can use them to clear through these blockages and yeah dream in that beautiful lovely yeah. earth that i that i also uh, love to have but um yeah so tell folks where where they can find your website it's breathinginnature.com Um, and, uh, what type of offerings do you have over there as far as, uh, breath work? I know we're getting into that time of year. This will be out in a couple weeks. So right early September, folks might be wanting to get into some type of routine again, you know, actually perfect time because it's going to be a a bit of a retooling in in the fall, but right now it's breathinginnature.com. Um, 
And on there, you'll find a little bit about me and you'll find the links to the Stoic Breath, which right now are four um, online Zoom classes, Sunday at 10, which is a bigger one with a lot of instruction around that, where I teach people all about breath work and how to do it. Uh, Monday, we have the Stoic Sunrise, um, which happens at sunrise (laughs) here in Toronto. Uh, But the fascinating thing about this, I have people from all over the world logging into this. Um, So I have a lot of Australians log into the Stoic Sunrise and it's their evening. So good fun. And then Wednesday, we have another morning class and an afternoon class, lunch class, which is coming up in half half Mm -hmm. an hour. Um, So I've got those now. And then I'd also do uh, corporate stuff, which I'm getting back into. Um, I used to go into corporations and teach mindfulness, but now online and we're getting back into that big time in september i've got a bunch of stuff lined oh, up so getting back to it i think everybody's just resigned to the fact that we are never going back to the office so we're yeah. starting to find a way to bring this mindfulness back in mm-hmm. and so i do that online just like a zoom call right it is a zoom call um you know I teach mindfulness and all that kind of stuff online to corporations and to groups and individuals mm-hmm. Um, and you can sign up for the breath classes there. And then what I also have is I have a members area and right now the members area, all of this right now is just working on the gift economy. Mm-hmm. When the whole pandemic started, um, months ago, people lost their jobs mm-hmm. and they had to leave their gym memberships. They had to leave the yoga studios. They had to, they, and they were just like, I have to like quit everything. I have to just sit down and watch Netflix now. <laughs> Tiger King. <laughs> yeah. Come, come to my yeah. breath class. It's free. And then I said, this is now part of the gift economy. There's lots mm-hmm. of people who need this, but there's lots of you who can pay for membership. Right. So if you, this is my energy that I give to you. And if you can give your energy back to me in any way possible, either helping me with business, with my website or helping me monetarily, or just sharing this with others, I appreciate the gift. Thank you. And it's really worked. People use the gift economy. There's a little link right there to just click. It goes to a PayPal mm-hmm. and people can, Pay for the class, whether it's, you know, it's $5 or $600. People give gifts to just help and make it all possible. In the fall, this is going to shift. I'm going to keep the gift economy for the, I'm going to keep the Sunday class going, but everything else is going to go into a membership-based environment. Okay, cool. um, Where there's going to be daily events, there's going to be daily meditation classes, breath classes, we're going to have a book club, all the downloadable stuff. So um, right now you can access the members area if you have bought a course um, on the Think Ethics site, or if you support it in the gift economy, you get uh, access to the members area. Amazing. So you get all the downloads and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people will be grandfathered in for a few months as we shift into this members area. Um, and then also on that website, you'll also see courses, which will click you over to the breathinginnature.thinkific mm-hmm. website where I have two courses. Um, one is the $25 uh, Stoic Breath, where you get your own downloaded, high-quality audio recording, which I worked with a very talented artist, um, uh, Jag uh, Cheval here with the Cosmic uh, Cosmic Cheetah Studio here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Beautiful music. I'm, like It gives me goosebumps every time I listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Um, and there's a little history about how to, where the stoic breath came from and how to do it properly. Mm-hmm. And if you buy that and think, wow, I want to learn more about this, with that $25 purchase, you also get a $25 discount for the next course. Awesome. Um, so you can go right into the breathe course. And that's where we talk about the, um, the, how to move your body, how to reconnect with your body. There's a stretch routine to go through, how to breathe properly from the diaphragm, uh, and then how to go deeper into breath work and how to control stress through different modalities of breathing, how to check for your uh, carbon dioxide tolerance uh, level. I'm glad you said that. We didn't really touch on that, but that's something we can save. Yeah. And, and again, that's why I want to throw people your way because it, yeah. 
So we, we'll we'll do this again. Well, we no, it's great, honestly, and there is, and I'm really do. Uh, I'm really quite excited to share this with all the listeners because I think Steve's really tapped into a unique spring and he's bringing forth things that are, are important on the gift economy front um, and just giving folks the tools and, and the content's really, really good over there at breathinginnature.com. So I'm sure the membership will be just even better. That's awesome. Well, I, I hope so. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Well, that's so amazing. I, uh, I thank you very much for your time for being here. I know you got a class coming up, so I'll let you go. But thanks to everybody for listening out there. I really appreciate having you. And as always, stay wild. listening to the rewild my bio podcast please subscribe to the show and leave a five-star rating if you have enjoyed this episode i have so much gratitude for all of you who continue to share this show with your friends it really does mean so much to me if you want more content from rewild my bio then please check out rewildmybio.com to find previous episodes and sign up for the newsletter in the newsletter i share blogs i have written and reflections from my current health promotion research please follow along on instagram and telegram with the handle at rewildmybio and on Twitter, at Sean Slade. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, stay wild.